and welcome to PFF Wire. I'm Doug Kide, joined as always by Brad Spielberger. Brad, how are you doing today? Another beautiful Thursday night football game. We actually got a, a couple touchdowns this time. I know we went about 100 minutes without a touchdown on Thursday night football, but we got two of them in this game. So we, we were a real treat. Yeah, I was like almost kind of secretly hoping that we wouldn't have another touchdown in this game. But then the beginning of the game, the first half was so deathly boring. I was like, we need some sort of excitement. And not to get too deep into that game quite yet, because we will be talking about a little bit more coming up here. But I mean, the end of the game was so abrupt that it was like there was suddenly a lot of excitement and then it was just over. <laughs> like, I, I I don't know. As as a Bears fan uh, like you are, that must have been even more brutal. But, yeah, it was just a very bizarre, like, last two minutes of that game. No, it's true. It's true. After a lot of inaction and punts from their own 40-yard line, all of a sudden it was kind of, you know, some excitement. That, that's a typical Bears experience, frankly. But, yeah. It really is. All right, let's kick it off with our first segment here, fresh off the wire. And yeah, we will touch on that game for a second here because I thought that Ron Rivera's, um, you know, emotion at the end of the game that he was asked about the report that came out yesterday from ESPN, uh, uh, from Seth Wickersham, Don Vanetta, that it wasn't Ron Rivera who picked Carson Wentz. It was instead Daniel Snyder who picked Carson Wentz. Uh, Ron Rivera was asked about that. And, uh, you know, swore, became emotional, said that he was the one who was looking through all the papers, looking through all the analytics, watching Carson Wentz, um, and that it was his decision to pick Carson Wentz, and then he stormed off the podium. So, I don't know. It was just a weird week for the commanders in general, where you have early in the week Ron Rivera saying, you know, he was asked why the commanders haven't had the same success as other NFC East teams. He simply said, quarterback. Uh, didn't really expound on that that much until later. Uh, and then to have this come out that, you know, the report that he wasn't the one who picked Carson Wentz, he fought against that. I don't know. I, I would say that overall, from looking at a lot of tweets from last night, from, you know, the video that got posted of him having that that emotional reaction to the question and just tweets about that in general, Commander's fan base is not really overly supportive of what's going on there right now in general, and that includes Ron Rivera. So they didn't really seem all that receptive to it. But I don't know. My overall reaction to it is just that weird week in Washington, and I'm not sure how much you can really trust about anything that's going on there right now. Yeah, a rare, weird week in Washington, right? Um, you know, <laughs> I, I think Rivera is usually a very stoic guy, so it did stick out. But frankly, I think it's an overcorrection to he basically, yeah. after saying the quarterback answer, now is trying to not only, you know, draw that back in, but really to like overcompensate for it and say, no, this is my guy and I stand up for him and yada, yada. Um, I will say this, you know, things tend to get out of certain buildings more than others. It's been known for years that that uh, Dan Snyder puts his finger on the scale when he wants to take players, you know, was rumored that Dwayne Haskins was not really a guy the front office was super excited about, but that Dan Snyder loved him and wanted the team to draft him, obviously, um, you know, not trying to get into any component of that besides just that little tidbit. But, um, you know, it, it is interesting for Rivera to kind of freak out about that after Wentz didn't really play particularly well at all in that game, was battling some injuries, had the shoulder, was shaking his hand after he hit uh, a Bears defender's hand on his own follow-through. Um, but, hey, at least they came out of there with a W in a, in a very ugly game. I did think it was kind of funny that Ron Rivera referred to Carson Wentz as, you know, that young man doesn't always have to hear about this, the young man in this locker room. Yeah, I mean, I guess Carson Wentz is a young man. He's 29 years old, though. He's been in the NFL for quite a long time. And 
I don't know. I mean, he, he's had certainly an up and down career and you do feel bad when players get picked on a little bit too much. At the same time, he is a NFL quarterback and he's nearly 30 years old uh, on the Bears side. Some more struggles uh, from Justin Fields, not maybe to the same degree that there was in previous games. I think that he is improving. He ripped off the long run there at the end, which I thought was really good because he wasn't always the most natural runner at Ohio State. I know that he's got great speed, great athleticism, great size, but I thought that the vision at times was kind of lacking for him in college and maybe even through the first year of his career. I thought that that long run was a big positive from that game. At the same time, I was, you know, talking to people around the league throughout the game and notably about Justin Fields. And one person was saying that, you know, seeing a lot of late throws, seeing some inaccuracy, and you would have liked some of that stuff to get corrected at this point. Obviously it will certainly help when Justin Fields has a better supporting cast around him. You just hope that he can get to that point where he actually has the better supporting cast around him in Chicago and that the coaching staff and GM and everyone doesn't give up on him before that point. That's unfortunate because, look, we're not trying to just make a bunch of excuses for the guy, but when you hear footsteps, whether you're getting pressured, which, look, they're getting pressured more than any other team um, on a per dropback basis, well, even when you're not getting pressured, you probably think you are because you're assuming after a certain amount of time there's going to be a guy in your lap, and it's probably a fair assumption. At the same time, you're also not getting any separation from most of your wide receivers. I do think he had Darnell Mooney NFL open on a throw. They ended up taking a sack. We did credit him with three of those. Those five sacks on him. Again, the offensive line did not play well, allowed a ton of pressures, a 40% pressure rate allowed, which is continues to be the worst in the NFL per our charting. But, but yeah, I do think you saw why it's so hard to quit him. I mean, that corner of the end zone, big time throw a mm-hmm. touchdown pass to Dante Pettis was as good of a throw as you could possibly make. Not only a touchdown, but lead the receiver away from the DB, right in the corner of the end zone, by the pylon, away from the coverage. Just a perfect, perfect throw. I mean, you mentioned the running. He did take one big hit near the goal line early in the game, but I think the biggest thing for him, too, is he has gotten better at either getting out of bounds or sliding. He had a beautiful mm-hmm. slide, kind of, you know, perfect little baseball into second base type of slide. And I think all that stuff matters because he said in his press conference afterwards that his shoulder is really hurt or it's really hurting him right now. Um, he took a lot of shots yesterday and he's going to continue to, unfortunately. But there was some positive you can take away from it. At the end of the day, you know, I, you, you do start to question not only the personnel, but also a little bit of the decision-making um, from the play caller. You know, even at the end of the game, why are you in empty sets after you've been running the ball with Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery? I do think they're out of timeouts, but still you had some time left on the clock and you're going empty and just throwing, you know, corner fades to Darnell Mooney, which he probably should have caught. But long answer short, I, I just don't – I think everyone is, is partly to blame in Chicago, which is, you know, a bad place to be considering their lack of talent. Yeah, even the, the play call at the end there to have Darnell Mooney run that whip route short of the goal line, and maybe that's Mooney, maybe that's the play calling, but you'd like to have a little bit of a deeper route there to ensure that if that play is made, if he catches the ball, that he's definitely in for a touchdown, which, I mean, even if he had made that catch – it would have been very questionable there. Uh, after the game, Ryan Fitzpatrick took some heat, um, you know, somewhat deserved by saying uh, uh, during the Amazon broadcast, Justin Fields needs to look in the mirror and say, what am I? You are not Peyton Manning. You're not Patrick Mahomes. You're not a pocket passer. You're a Cam Newton type. You're a guy who's an elite runner of the football. That conversation was actually much more nuanced than that direct quote gives that was tweeted out. But at the same time, 
I've never loved the Cam Newton, Justin Fields comparisons in general. First of all, Cam Newton, obviously to this point, was a much better NFL player than Justin Fields is right now. But I would also say that Cam Newton was always a more natural runner than Justin Fields was. And Justin Fields actually in college was a much more accurate passer with probably a, you know, a more natural thrower, at least in college than Cam Newton was. So I don't love that comparison, but I, I also don't think the answer here for Chicago is for Justin Fields to try to become Cam, New Cam Newton and try to run more. I think the answer is for him to develop more as a pocket passer. I think it's funny because we've kind of conflated now a scrambler and a runner like Cam Newton, Jalen Hurts, you know, even Josh Allen, um, they're runners where they're actually designing runs for them. Patrick Mahomes, if you just looked at when he uses his legs, you could call him the best running quarterback or one of them in the NFL. But it's because on scrambles, when teams are playing too high and dropping eight guys into coverage, yeah, he scrambles for 10 yards. But the guy waddles, he's not, you're never going to call zone read that often with Patrick Mahomes. He just is elusive enough to scramble and I think that is more Justin Fields I agree with you I also would say the one thing that I think worked yesterday was moving the pocket and that whether it's partly just his skill set being able to throw moving both directions but also with how bad the offensive line is I think that's more the pocket passing I'm sure he doesn't want to sit back on seven step drops either or five step right. drops but I think they did a good job a little bit yesterday of moving the pocket to his right and to his left, kind of half field reads, cutting the field in half. And there was some success there. It's just, I guess it's kind of, you can't get away with the gimmicky stuff for an entire game. Eventually it's going to catch up to you. Also, when you're 0 for 11 in the red zone or, or in goal to go, excuse me, that'll catch up to you as well. Definitely. Uh, we've got some news around the NFL, backup quarterbacks starting around the league. I think we already talked about Cooper Rush expected to start for the Dallas Cowboys. That's despite the fact that Dak Prescott is listed as questionable this week. But also, P.J. Walker uh, will be starting in Carolina. Sounds like it's possible that Baker Mayfield could actually dress for this game, but he's listed as doubtful. And then also Andy Dalton will continue to start for the New Orleans Saints. Um Curious, curious situation in Carolina that Baker Mayfield would be healthy enough to dress, but not to start in this game. Um, I would think that, you know, if the if the high ankle sprain is enough to keep him out from starting, that you probably prefer to just have Jacob Eason there as the backup. Yeah, it is a strange situation where there was almost the, apparently toying with the idea of IR. Then it did become from Jeremy right. Fowler to ESPN. Look, he's not going to go on IR because they think he'll be back within four weeks. And now we're at, you know, he could play. My guess, again, I think it's a little bit less severe than a Mac Jones. But again, Mac Jones could have played the week after he got hurt. No, he can't. We know that. It's a nice game has been shipped. The yeah. opponent has to prepare for him. I think it's probably the same situation here. But I guess, like you said, I mean, you should have somebody else available in a call up from the practice squad or dressed or whatever. Um, in case P.J. Walker does go down in that game. And what do you think about I mean, Andy Dalton's going to be starting here against his former team, the Cincinnati Bengals? Um, what have you thought, I guess, of Andy Dalton's performances so far in that kind of starting role there for New Orleans? Yeah, I actually think he's been pretty solid. I, I yeah. do think Minnesota and Seattle – oh, I mean, Seattle, I think, is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Definitely. I think Minnesota is comfortably a bottom half of the NFL defense, frankly. They have some talent there, but as we know, defense is a weak link proposition, and they're just not great on the back end. Um, and then their pass rush is okay, but, you know, if Darius Smith, who's, who's missed a game, I want to say Daniel Hunter is a good player, but maybe not the guy we, we kind of know him as he used to be. Um, you know, Dalton's been solid, but I, I think it is interesting and notable that – 
Last week, Saints were still minus five and a half in that game against Seattle. Now in New Orleans again, Cincinnati is favored in this game with a short week too, coming off of that Sunday night football game against the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, I think that is notable. It's interesting because there's some injuries on Cincinnati's side as well. Yep. But I think the fact there's a, a full touchdown swing um, is probably pretty telling in what Vegas thinks about those two teams. Uh, for sure. Andy Dalton does have a 80.3 overall PFF grade so far this season, 80.1 passing grade. So, yeah, he's definitely been solid. Uh, Jameis Winston, three games, had a 65.3 overall PFF grade. Uh, there's something going on with Cam Akers in Los Angeles with the Rams. I'm not sure if we want to speculate too much on this because it's listed as a, a personal issue. It will keep him out of Sunday's game um, against who are the Rams playing this week. They are playing the Carolina, Carolina Panthers. Panthers. Um, but it Sean McVay said that it's something that the team will have to work through. He he stressed that they really want to keep it in-house. So once again, you, you don't want to speculate too much, but he was asked if you know Cam Akers will remain on the team moving forward. And he kind of continued to say that there's things that they're that they're trying to work through there. I would say that obviously, given this situation, it's possible that he could be off the team. There could be some sort of trade or re release, something like that. I don't know any other. Uh, news about the situation, but just gauging from what Sean McVay has said. Uh, but I would say that one player to watch in this situation for the Los Angeles Rams is rookie running back Kyron Williams. He unfortunately got hurt in week one on a kickoff before he was able to actually even take the field. But there's been a lot of you know, buzz that he could actually have a pretty solid role on offense once he is able to get healthy. It was a high ankle sprain for him. I believe they suffered on that kickoff. But, you know, if something does transpire with Cam Akers, then you'd probably see Kyron Williams and Daryl Henderson splitting those reps at running back once Kyron Williams is healthy. So if you're in a deeper league, if you're looking for running back help in fantasy, I, I know that I picked up Kyron Williams today in a 12-team league and immediately stashed him on IR, but I would say that that's probably a, a decent idea for anyone out there. Yeah, no, it, it's certainly notable. Uh, like you said, it's actually the opening kickoff the, of the entire NFL season against the Buffalo Bills, and it was described as a six- to eight-week injury, so we're kind of getting into that zone. Um, speaking of Cam Akers, maybe they're not trying to rush back another running back from an injury early because, you know, since he's gotten back from that Achilles injury in the playoffs last year, he was remarkably inefficient. Obviously, it was a, mir a miracle that he was even playing five months removed from tearing his Achilles, but yeah. the, the lack of explosiveness, the lack of – you know, efficiency has been there. And I wonder if maybe his frustration also comes from a usage standpoint. The Rams historically with Sean McVay like to kind of lean on one running back and play that guy a ton. It's been much more of a committee now. And yes, once Kyron Williams is back, I know a lot of analysts and our draft analysts, I should say, loved his pass blocking prowess and knowing the Rams and their inability to pass block right now, that alone could get him in a lot of games. Even if he's not getting touches, he's just taking care of Matthew Stafford. So certainly a name to keep an eye on. No question. Before we get a little bit deeper into last night's commanders bears game, Take a quick break here. PFF Wire is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, let's give it one up and one down from last night's Commander's Bears game. I'll start off with one up, and that's Commander's Edge defender Montez Sweat. He had eight 
total pressures last night against the Bears. That was a career high. I believe he also had six overall defensive stops. Uh, he's always been a good player, but he's really ascending this year even more. He's the sixth highest graded edge defender, second highest graded run defending edge defender, and he has the sixth highest stop rate. So uh, big ups to Montez Sweat. He was very solid last night against the Bears. Uh, who's your who's your one up from last night? Yeah, it's got to be Bears second round rookie cornerback Kyler Gordon out of your Washington Huskies. Um, look, he had a very he had a very tough start to the year. I, I highlighted on the show. I talked about maybe looking at Curtis Samuel's over four and a half receptions. Apologies for those who maybe tailed me there. Um, but he it played a large role in that not hitting. He had an eighty coverage grade last night, the best of his young career so far. He now has back to back games with over seventy overall grades. And then not only in coverage, he allowed I want to say three receptions for thirteen total yards, had a forced incompletion. We also had five tackles, including three stops, which you mentioned, which, by the way, for folks, is basically a, a non-successful play. So, not you know, you don't stay ahead of the chains on first down. If it's a two-yard gain, it's not a tackle for loss or no gain, but it's a stop because it's not a successful offensive play. So, really, really, really good game from him. I, it was one of those where, even on the broadcast angle, actually, I guess, shout out Amazon Prime, and they're, they're all 22. You could tell he was playing really well and bothering the offense. The grade, I thought, matched the eye test there for sure. So, a, a Young, ascending, trending up player, no question. Uh, for my down guy that you just mentioned, Curtis Samuel, uh, he might have actually hit the over on some of those things if he had been playing better. He had two drops on four targets and just six yards, and he was coming off a very productive early part of his second season uh, with the commanders last year was pretty much a disaster for him in Washington. Uh, he was hurt the whole time. It was, um, he was really struggling uh, to get back on the field and get healthy. And I don't think that hopes were very high for him, at least with the fan base and around fantasy and everything coming into this year. Uh, but like I said, he had a really start solid start to the season, but those two drops really killed him. Uh, only had two catches, like I mentioned on four targets. So who was, uh, who was your down in this game? Yeah, so it's the entire Bears defensive line. And I think also, <laughs> you know, highlighting uh, Keller Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, their young second-round safety, and their entire coverage unit. Um, Jalen Johnson came back and played in that game. I need to give a shout-out to Kendall Vildor as well, their other outside corner. Um, Eddie Jackson looks like Eddie Jackson again. But I think I'm saying the entire secondary because this defensive line right now for us is the worst team in pass rush win rate by almost 10 percentage points, which, folks, yeah. is bananas. Like, it's like uh, you don't see that in any season. That's how bad they are right now. They had seven pressures last night. Yes, Washington didn't drop back a ton, but that is the fewest pressures allowed by Washington by a significant margin. And you might remember the sacks. Well, yes, Roquan Smith, the linebacker, had a sack, and Jaquan Brisker, the safety, had a sack. So it wasn't with the defensive line doing any of that. They're just not generating a pass rush at all. And the fact that Chicago has really stated almost every game from a defensive standpoint, given their lack of pass rush, is, is really impressive. Uh, we do have a comment in here from Eek. Brian Robinson is not a up. Gunshot victim and decent first career start. Definitely honorable mention to Brian Robinson. Uh, he was great in that start. Uh, got a ton of carries, and I think that he's definitely going to be an ascending player there for Washington. At the same time, uh, Ron Rivera said today that he wants to continue to get Antonio Gibson more snaps as well because he looked pr pretty explosive when he was on the field as well. So, uh, But definitely shout-out to Brian Robinson. Incredible story for him to be able to come back the way that he has early this season. All right, let's go game by game, give out some fancy news and notes. Uh, we will start off 
with the Buccaneers-Steelers game. Buccaneers on BetMGM favored by 8.5 points. The point total is 45. Uh, Chris Godwin, Buccaneers wide receiver, good to go in this one. Julio Jones, Buccaneers wide receiver, is doubtful. Steelers tight end Pat Firemuth is out with a concussion. And then also that Steelers secondary, extremely banged up right now. Safety Minka Fitzpatrick and cornerbacks Cam Sun, Akella Witherspoon, and Levi Wallace all out. So it's obviously good that Chris Godwin's good to go. Uh, Mike Evans obviously will be playing in this one as well, Russell Gage. But I'd say that given the news about the Steelers secondary, if you have any questions about whether to play any of those Buccaneers, Tom Brady or any of those wide receivers, might be a good idea to get them in your fantasy lineups or in daily fantasy. Steelers traditionally don't spend a ton in the secondary. Obviously, Mink Fitzpatrick, one of the highest-paid safeties. But they skimp at corner because they're able to generate such a pass rush with their front four. But without T.J. Watt playing, we're talking about they're starting both outside corners and slot corner. And Cam Sutton is a difference-making player in the slot yeah. for them. I know he's played a little bit, kind of a little bit of both. But, you know, can tackle, can make plays in space, a very good corner. And then, of course, the other two guys on the outside. So, I think Tom Brady and that team, is it's a get-right game. I've probably been saying that for too many weeks in a row. Atlanta was also <laughs> a get-right game. But this is this defense, I mean, gave up 38 points to Buffalo and now literally does not have their secondary playing in this matchup. I think it could get, it could get ugly in Pittsburgh. I know that I did one of those, um, like, underdog, you know, weekly draft things or whatever, and I, I made sure to stack Mike Evans and Tom Brady. So you can steal my idea out, out, uh, for anyone out there. All right, uh, Bengals, Saints, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins, questionable with an ankle injury. Saints are really banged up. Wide receiver Jarvis Landry out. Wide receiver Michael Thomas out. Jameis Winston won't be starting. Uh, wide receiver Chris Olave, questionable with a concussion. And then also just a defensive note on there, Saints cornerback Marshawn Lattimore out. So if T Higgins does play uh, the Saints secondary could certainly be tested uh, with all of the Bengals offensive playmakers. And that, that Saints secondary really struggled last week against the Seahawks offense. And obviously Geno Smith has been great so far this season, but I mean, they made Geno Smith look like he was like a top 10 quarterback of all time last week. And honestly, outside of Cam Jordan, they just have not been able to generate much of a pass rush at all. I mean, he he looked yeah. good in that game and has looked good this season. Marcus Davenport in a big contract year has been terrible, but I, you know I think he wants to play at a level we've seen the past couple of years when healthy, where he's a eighty plus you know pass rush grade guy for us and is consistently generating pressure. I haven't really seen that this season. I think Lattimore is out is obviously huge, one of the highest paid corners in the NFL. But I think the thing there is they probably were considering just putting him on T Higgins, not Jamar Chase, what a lot of teams are doing this season, and then just right. doubling and bracketing Jamar Chase with two players. Now you can't do that. And, and so they do have some depth there. Bradley Roby, obviously a good player that's, you know, came back for them this season, can play inside and outside. Their young rookie, Elante Taylor, um, you know, PJ Williams, they have depth at the corner spot, yeah. but you know, Paulson Adiba has regressed this season on the outside, um, you know, and, and if you can't get a pass rush besides Cam Jordan, obviously that's how you beat this Bengals team is, you know, getting in Burrow's face, but it could be another long afternoon um, for that defense. Absolutely. Uh, Jaguars, Colts next up here. Oh, I didn't give the uh, the line on the, the uh, Bengals are favored by two points and the point total is 43 uh, for Jaguars, Colts. The Colts are favored by two points. Point total is 42. Um, and then you've got uh, Jaguars wide receivers, Zay Jones and Marvin Jones, both questionable. Colts injury report just came out while we were speaking. Jonathan Taylor, 
uh, questionable with an ankle injury, and Naheem Hines questionable with a concussion. Naheem Hines was a full participant in practice today. Um, Colts head coach Frank Reich said that Jonathan Taylor has a chance to play this week. He had about 10 days off between last Thursday's game and now, so I know that he wanted to play last week. We'll see if they grant him his wish in this game, uh, but certainly positive that Naheem Hines was able to get in a full uh, practice before this game. Yeah, I believe Naheem Hines should be good to go in this game. Like you said, they had the extended rest, the mini bye week. Unfortunate because he had the big role, you know, expected last week without Jonathan Taylor and had that concussion or, or you know, something adjacent to a concussion very early in that in that contest. And it became, yep. you know, Deion Jackson, some other guys trying to, you know, run the football for the Colts. So this game's probably going to be pretty ugly. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the most exciting game of the weekend because, frankly, this Colts defense does look good. I think Stephon Gilmore, um, maybe he should have signed somewhere else, but is, is playing right. like a Stephon Gilmore and has been an impact player for them. You know, DeForest Buckner back healthy now, coming on a little bit. Him and Grover Stewart on the interior should be a good matchup, you know, with Brandon Sheriff and those guys they brought into Jacksonville. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean – Indianapolis's offense, it just, I'm not sure it matters much, you know, who's playing for them right now. They are struggling to do anything on that offense, which is crazy considering how much they've spent on that offensive line. Definitely. Uh, Patriots at Browns next. Browns favored by two and a half points. Point total is 43. You've got Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers, both Patriots wide receivers, questionable. Patriots running back Damian Harris, questionable. Uh, Patriots tight end Johnny Smith, questionable. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, questionable. Uh, and Browns cornerback Joe Hayden, defensive end Jadavion Clowney, both out. Uh, for this one, I think the real players to watch are Aguilar, Harris, Mac Jones and Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith did not play last week. Damon Harris dealing with a hamstring injury. Nelson Aguilar did not finish last week's game with a hamstring injury. And Mac Jones obviously now has not played for two weeks. Um, the Mac Jones situation is certainly interesting in general because, as we kind of mentioned on Wednesday's show, Bill Belichick is not confirming that Mac Jones is going to start even when he's fully healthy and ready to play. Reached out to some people about that this week. And, you know, one person, I basically asked, like, is this real? Is it really possible that Mac Jones wouldn't play when he's fully healthy? And essentially what I heard back is, like, even if it's not true, even if that's not real, it's probably best for Mac Jones uh, to think that way just because competition is always a good thing. So I'm not sure so much that the Patriots are playing mind games with the Browns by saying like, or really any of the Patriots upcoming opponents about Mac Jones health, it might just be kind of a way to push Mac Jones a little bit more since to begin the season, he did not look as good as he did as a rookie. No doubt about it. I mean, they obviously want to motivate everyone in that building. Also, uh, you got your wires crossed a little bit. Joe Hayden retired to Brown today. Denzel Ward. Denzel yes, Ward. They're, they're, they're current top cornerback. Um, you know, their, their first round pick uh, corner of, of this generation, uh, Al, along with Javion Clowney. I, I did take the Cleveland Browns minus two and a half. I mentioned that on the PFF forecast. Obviously, I, not obviously, I thought Javion Clowney was going to play in that game. He practiced early in the week. And obviously something must have, you know, kind of gone the wrong direction. I still kind of like it. And also Denzel Ward. Yes, you always want your, your lockdown number one corner. But do you really need that against a Patriots team that doesn't have, you know, a true alpha number one receiver? I think there's still a lot of depth in that Cleveland secondary. And they can compensate for that. So, um, you know, yeah, a lot of injuries here. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett familiar, you know, with Bill Belichick and vice versa, which would be an interesting undertone and storyline. But I like Cleveland in this game. They are top five right now in EPA per play. The best rushing offense in the NFL. And the Patriots are actually, I want to say third 
13th worst right now in a, defending the run on an EPA per play standpoint. So I, I still like Cleveland in a, in a again, a low scoring, probably a grueling rushing attack for both teams. I think Cleveland wins that matchup. Uh, to be fair, Joe Hayden also is not playing in this game. So That's, I, I was, was he questionable. <laughs> yeah, he's doubtful. He's doubtful. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say he was doubtful. Um, one other note, just while we are talking about that, Browns have been absolutely abhorrent against the run. So Ramondre Stevenson, a good fantasy play, especially since then the expectation is that Damian Harris won't be playing in this game. And the Patriots at this point will only have two rookies behind Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, that's Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong. So if Damian Harris does not play this week, Ramondre Stevenson might basically be like an every down back. And he was very good last week uh, against the Detroit Lions. And the Lions and the Browns are both bottom two in EPA again, uh, EPA per uh, run play against. So very good matchup for him again this week. Uh, not many injuries in the Jets-Packers game, at least as it relates to fantasy. Uh, the uh, Packers are favored by seven and a half points. The point total is 45. Christian Watson, the Packers wide receiver, is out. I know that Rashawn Gary is also questionable to play in this game. Yep, saw that, and and head coach Matt Lafleur said he's concerned about Gary, which is obviously you know a potentially massive loss. I think he's a top five, maybe top ten edge defender, or honestly defensive player in the entire NFL right now. The way he's playing, Christian Watson too. I wanted to point this out. Found it interesting. Uh, head coach Matt Lafleur again said they might actually just put him on the shelf for an extended period of time. He's been dealing with hamstring during the entire offseason. He basically didn't participate in training camp has been out for a long time. Um, obviously, the deep speedster and, and brings, you know, they run him on jet sweeps a couple times a game and all this, you know, kind of trickeration with him, but just has not been able to get healthy. They might put him on the shelf for a little while and just let him get fully 100% for the stretch run. Definitely. Uh, next up is Ravens at New York Giants. Ravens favored by six points. Uh, point total is 45. No one surprises me maybe a little bit just because the Giants have been better than a lot of people have expected. Uh, but Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman out. Ravens running back Justice, Justice Hill doubtful. And then on the Giants side, you've still got wide receivers Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney out. Uh, wide receiver Wondell Robinson questionable. So that's obviously a little bit better than it has been over the last few weeks. Giants running back Saquon Barkley good to go in this game. And then on the Ravens side on the defense, Justin Houston out. Um, yeah, I'd say that it would be really cool if Wondell Robinson could get back on the field. He has not played since week one, uh, but that does seem like it's kind of a 50-50 shot at this point. Yeah, that being said, I still think six points is too many here, and I think Baltimore probably wins the game, but I, I like the Giants catching almost a full touchdown at home here um, for a couple reasons, namely Wink Martindale, the Giants defensive coordinator. They actually both shouted each other out in press conferences this week, him and Lamar Jackson, but you know, no one knows Lamar Jackson from practice and all that better than him. Um, obviously saw him in Baltimore and probably tried to figure out ways to contain him or you know think of ways that defenses would try to contain Lamar Jackson when the team ultimately played them. So you know, I think that will be very interesting in that matchup. And then, you know, Darius Slayton played some inspired football in, in that London game. Finally got on the field, had a bunch of incentives in his contract, which was, you know, the, the value is brought down to keep him on the roster. And he looked like the guy that he can be at times. So, again, mm -hmm. I think Baltimore probably gets the win, but coming off a big divisional game, a tight game, they barely won by two points. I just think six points is probably too many. Yeah, it was an interesting situation this, this offseason with – uh, Wink Martindale, you know, I, I guess he was fired by the Ravens. Um, and 
So far this season, the Giants' defense actually ranks better in EPA per play against. They're 15th, Ravens are 20th. Obviously not a major difference there, but I would say that just based on the eye test, the Giants' defense has been a little bit better this season. Uh, Let's move on to Vikings against the Dolphins. Vikings only favored by three and a half points in this game. It's in Miami. Point total is 46. On the Vikings' side, Alexander Madison limited with a shoulder injury. And for the Dolphins, Teddy Bridgewater uh, is not expected to start. It's expected to be Skylar Thompson in this game. I don't think their injury report has come out yet for today, but as of Thursday, Bridgewater was limited. Raheem Mostert, the Dolphins running back, was limited. Tuatago Vailoa was limited. Uh, Tyreek Hill was a full participant, and Jalen Waddell was a full participant. But I don't know. I mean, with Skylar Thompson, I know that we both were kind of impressed by what he did last week against the Jets, despite the fact that the Jets kind of blew out the Dolphins. But Vikings only favored by three and a half points against a third string, seventh round rookie quarterback. And the point total being as high as I'm not sure if I'm missing something here. I thought the same way when the Lions were only two and a half point favorites headed to England to play David Zappi and they lost 29 nothing. So, uh, all all jokes aside, I I do kind of agree with you, but I think we talked about this on Monday. Skylar Thompson didn't look, at least didn't look over his head. I mean, I think he managed well enough for a guy coming into a game. Um, And I think, you know, both Hill and Waddle being back is huge. Look, Minnesota is going to play two high shell almost every single snap. And those guys can run some crossing routes and mesh concepts and a bunch of stuff over the middle. And if they get the ball and get moving in space can obviously break off a big gain at any moment in time. And, and like I mentioned, I, I don't love Minnesota's defense um, a ton this year. I think, you know, linebacker, Eric Kendrick's a good player. They're, they're getting rookie Brian Asamoah more involved, but you know, a tough position to come along uh, with. And then, you know, a corner, just not super talented there. So I think it's one of those where explosive plays can maybe dictate how it goes. And then again, Minnesota is four and one, but I'm not sure any of those, maybe you get the first week one against Green Bay, but not a lot of not a very impressive four and one, um, you know, on a game by game basis, really. Yeah, for sure. They beat the Packers, Lions, Saints and Bears, and they lost handily to the Philadelphia Eagles. That was one of those Monday night games, I think. Uh, all right. Next up, uh, 49ers favored by five and a half points. At the Atlanta Falcons, point total is 44 and a half. The big injury here is Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts. Questionable. I believe that he said this week, though, that he expects to play. So that would definitely be good for the Falcons, possibly good for fantasy managers, even though Kyle Pitts has been a little bit disappointing so far this season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I don't, I don't think you peg the Niners defense as a spot where you're going to get right and, and maybe, you sure. know, get back on track for the season. You know, they did lose Emmanuel Mosley to a torn ACL. Uh, unfortunately, he had been playing very good football for the 49ers. Um, you know, but they have, you know, Fred Warner, who could probably play a lot against Kyle Pitts in the slot. They have Talano Hufanga, who's this breakout, you know, kind of stud safety for them. Sure. Jimmy Ward, I think, broke his hand, but is expected to play with the club. Um, but another good safety that probably can get some reps against Kyle Pitts. So uh, I just, I, I don't think it's a good matchup i know in fantasy um so far this season this is a very small sample i kind of don't like these but they've given up the second fewest points to tight ends in fantasy so far this season um you know i think again like i said my favorite thing but still a notable you know kind of stat so hopefully plays would obviously be huge for atlanta um you know i think atlanta has done a great job in scheming their players open and and getting guys the ball in space but yeah a tough defense to uh, try to get right against yeah, a lot of that uh, fantasy points against obviously can be touchdown dependent, but 
They've right. got good red zone defense and can keep tight ends out of the end zone. And obviously that's a good thing. Not a ton of notable injuries other than the ones that we've already mentioned in the Panthers Rams game uh, Rams favored by 10 points at home point total only 42 uh, Baker Mayfield doubtful uh, Panthers wide receiver LaVisca Chenault out. Then you've got Rams running back Cam Akers, as we previously previously mentioned out with a personal matter. And then Rams tight end Tyler Higby and wide receiver Cooper cup, both questionable but expected to play in this game so pj walker going to los angeles as a starter rams only favored by 10 points i think this kind of tells you how much the rams have struggled uh so far this season that offensive line incredibly banged up Allen robinson hasn't got a lot going at, at wide receiver they've had issues running the football if, if there's a get-right game for the Rams, and this looks like it would be the one. You'd certainly think so, but, you know, with Carolina's pass rush, they could at least, you know, give Matthew Stafford some issues, um, you know, with Brian Burns and Derek Brown in the interior. And we mentioned, we talked about this pre-show, but right now we have the Rams. They are bottom five in EPA per play on offense and bottom five in explosive plays. So, you know, they're not even also, you know, some teams can be inefficient, but they can break off some big gains. The entire Rams offense is two-yard carries by Darrell Henderson and then seven-yard catches by Cooper Cup. That's their entire <laughs> offense. So, and Tyler Higby, give him some credit. He's, yeah. he's been solid so far this year. But, but yeah, so, you know, I hear you, and, and it is telling they're only favor that much, but it opened at nine and a half. It moved yeah. to 11. I bet it at 11. I thought that was just too many points for Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, new head coach and all those things, kind of a narrative bet. But I just think it's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. We joke the Rams have scored fewer points than the Bears this season. Um, you know, the Bears only added seven to that total last night, so <laughs> the Rams can, can, can charge ahead. But, you know, I think it's more about the fact that the, the Rams could win, but can they cover, you know, over 10 points? Maybe a different conversation. Yeah, uh, J.C. Horn, the Panthers cornerback, expected to sit out in this game. But, no, I mean, Carolina does have a solid defense overall, and we'll see if, you know, moving on to Steve Wilkes this week, if that kind of, you know, adds a little bounce in the Panthers' steps. Uh, Next up, we've got Cardinals at Seattle. Cardinals favored by 2.5 points. Point total is 50.5. And And Cardinals running backs James Conner and Darrell Williams both out. In this game, so you're looking at Eno Benjamin, the rookie Keontae Ingram, uh, as far as running backs go for the Cardinals. Uh, they also picked up Corey Clement and Tyson Williams uh, to put on the practice squad. So probably a good chance that we see one of those guys in this game. You know what? I did look at the line in this game. I'm not sure if it moved since both those running backs were actually ruled out. But that's another one that does surprise me, maybe a little bit. I mean, the Cardinals have not been fantastic this season. Favored by two and a half points in Seattle with the way that Geno Smith has played. I know Seattle's defense is, has been terrible so far this season, but I don't know, that, that's, that, I, I might be leaning towards the Seahawks a little bit more in that game. I, I'm sorry to keep going against you. Uh, it's interesting because, I, you know, I, I'll tell you, George agrees with you, and we talked about this again on Sunday on the forecast, but it's actually PFF Green Line's biggest edge of any spread of the week is Arizona, minus two and a half here. Fascinating. I think, yes, no, 100%. And, and I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, but where, you know, I thought Seattle catching five and a half points against New Orleans made no sense to me. Yeah. Granted, they could have covered. They didn't. They lost by a touchdown, but but they could have. But Taysom Hill just absolutely gashed them um, and basically <laughs> single-handedly beat them last week. So, you know, also, we talked about this earlier, too. Arizona is 11th in EPA per play right now, but dead last in explosive play rate. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, those stats kind of mirror each other. It's not a perfect correlation, but you know, you, if you're efficient, you're going to get some explosives. You're going to have guys break off some big gains. And then lastly, for Edo Benjamin, 
Cliff Kingsbury is a fan of his. I don't know. Yeah. You know, last week before the guys got hurt, he was getting a healthy amount of touches. They were throwing him the football on screens. They were getting him carries. He does great well for us as a rusher, okay as a receiver, but may only be a one-week stream thing. I don't think he'll, he'll maintain a large role once no, the guys are yeah. healthy and ahead, ahead of him. But I think he could have a sizable role and maybe win you a week if you need a streamer running back You know, this week in fantasy football. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's, uh, like you said, Cliff Kingsbury definitely seems like he likes him. And there's not a lot of viable options really behind him on that Cardinals roster right now with two guys that they basically just signed who could actually play sizable roles in this game. Uh, next, we've got the Bills at KC. Bills favored over the Chiefs by two and a half points. Point total in this game is 54. Uh, both teams are, are mostly healthy on the Bills side. Tight end Dustin Knox and wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie, both good to go. The Bills are a wagon. The Bills are they're probably the best team in the NFL. I'd be pretty scared to bet against the Chiefs in Kansas City in this game. Absolutely. I want to say Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is 7-1 and one as an underdog in his career. Um, you know, Not surprising. I'm just, my, the most surprising thing might be that he's been an underdog eight times in his career <laughs> uh, at this point. I'm guessing like half of those were 2018, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season before we knew what we were dealing with. But, you know, another interesting thing, sometimes fantasy is as simple as this. Look, folks, there are two spreads that are at above 46. Or sorry, two totals, excuse me, that are above 46 in the entire week. It's Seattle, Arizona that we just talked about, and then 54 here for for Kansas City Buffalo so sometimes just taking guys that are playing games that are expected to be much higher scoring it's a full touchdown above every other game on the slate um certainly interesting I think maybe a guy like a Marquez Valdez Scantling is kind of one of those waiver wire guys it's always available um I thought he looked good last week he did you know score about nine and a half points and half PPR um, but starting to get more involved in the offense they, they're looking his way I think more often and earlier in the progression um but yes, I it's my Super Bowl rematch, my my adjusted Super Bowl rematch for this. I, I cannot wait for this game. I can't believe I want to. I might could be wrong. It's not prime time. It, it, I think it'll be an afternoon game. It's but the, the four twenty five, I think. Yeah, which I guess is like semi prime time. But I, I cannot right. believe. But anyway, uh, I, this is going to be you know one of the games of the year. Cannot wait for this one. Curious to see how many uh, how many touchdowns Gabe Davis can have in this one because he had four the last time these two teams uh, went against each other and he had a monster game last week as well. He's been a fun ascending player in the NFL. All right, the Sunday night game is Dallas Cowboys against the Philadelphia Eagles. I think you can slot this one in as a Sunday night game every single year pretty much. The Eagles are favored by six and a half points at home. Point total is only 42. Uh, biggest major injury fantasy-wise for this game, still Dak Prescott. As we mentioned, questionable with that right thumb injury. Tight end Dalton Schultz is good to go, uh, but it does seem like, based on comments from Mike McCarthy earlier in the week, that it will still be Cooper Cup starting uh, for the Cowboys in this one. So not directly fantasy relevant, but frankly, I think very fantasy relevant. Both left tackle Jordan Mailata and center Jason Kelsey were at practice today for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, oh. some massive, massive, uh, you know, returns for them um, to the better players of their position. And obviously this Cowboys defensive line has been, you know, game wrecking so far this season. Um, we talked a little bit about them on Thursday with Seth Galina. The Cowboys run the most stunts in the NFL. They do a lot of exotic things up front, trying to throw offensive lines off. And when you have a guy like Jason Kelsey, one of the best centers in the NFL, a veteran, a guy who has seen everything you could possibly throw at him. Getting him back for this game is huge. So, you know, I, again, kind of think six and a half points for Dallas is probably too many. I'm not taking this one. 
um, just because Philadelphia is a very, very good football team. But like you said, I mean, Dallas versus Philly, you're going to get this on prime time. Hopefully it lives up to the hype. I, th- I think it will. Yeah, uh, Greenline likes uh, the Cowboys at plus six and a half. They also like, or a PFF Greenline, go to pff.com slash betting slash best bets, by the way. Uh, and they also like the over. And I kind of like the over in this game as well, just because obviously Dallas's defense has been very good. Eagles have a solid defense as well. Uh, but there's always that possibility that you know, Trayvon Diggs can get burned and Eagles have some very good wide receivers in this game. Jalen Hurts has been fantastic. Cowboys offense is not kept up quite as much, but uh, that just it seems like kind of a low point total. And PFF Greenline agrees with me. So that's what's most important. Uh, Monday night game, Broncos at Chargers. Chargers favored by four and a half, point total 45 and a half. Um, I don't think we've got the injury report for either one of these teams yet at this point. But as of Thursday, running backs Mike Boone and Melvin Gordon, both limited. Tight end uh, Eric Selbert, limited. Quarterback Russell Wilson, limited, uh, Mr. Limited, but he is expected to play in this game. And then you've got Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen, limited. See if he can finally get back for this game. I I, I didn't expect this to be this much of a lingering injury uh, for Keenan Allen, but hamstring injuries can always be tricky. So like I mentioned, we're still waiting on that Friday injury report for this game, but uh, we'll see what Keenan Allen can do. When you sent over the list and it said uh, Russell Wilson limited, I knew you weren't going to be able to resist on that one. I, I knew that was coming. Um, not that I blame you. Not that I blame it wasn't pre-planned, but, by the way, either. Yeah, I, I believe you. Very organic, but just had to be done. Um, yeah, the thing with Keenan Allen is that he he was close uh, before last week, but then on right. Friday he left practice early with trainers. And I think I'm, try, I'm reading the tea leaves here. I'm not trying to break news. Not trying. You know, don't. Kill me if I – I don't think he's playing. I, I really just the, – the way – the verbiage around how they're talking about him just strikes me as a guy who they just – they're sick of, you know, let, let him get healthy, right? Just let him get fully healthy. I believe their buy comes up relatively soon, um, and so maybe that also is part of it as well. Um, yeah, so again, I'm not, I'm not telling you, but I, I just – I do not get the indication he's playing in this game. That uh, would make sense. Yeah, he's been uh, – it, it has not been great for him over the last – few weeks here um all right well we have got um i think that we handled our best bet segment there pretty well throughout going through all those games anything else that you wanted to clear up uh for the week before this this sunday's games yes we have a question here from currency uh one of our commenters here and i, I think it's a good one and, and one we you know maybe uh usually would address but obviously friday is more of our roundup in the games um i reached out to a couple a couple people around the league about william jackson when he basically it sounds like has essentially asked for a trade. You know, they didn't officially say he made a right. trade request, but it sounds like he did. Um, yeah, the compensation is not expected to be a ton. He'd be owed, depending when he gets moved, about three million dollars for this season, and then it's about thir- I want to say eleven or twelve or thirteen million dollars for next year. Not guaranteed, so kind of doesn't totally matter. But nevertheless, they said a couple teams probably would ask Cincinnati to maybe retain some of the money. They said Cincinnati would probably not want to do that, um, you know, to, to a certain degree. Um, but they, nevertheless, they said the there is no chance right. it would be. Oh, go ahead. The commanders, you mean, rather than Cincinnati? Oh, sorry. Oh, well, I'm thinking of his old team. My, my bad. Uh, yes, the commanders, who he plays for now. My apologies. Um, yeah, they said, yeah, Washington, you know, they wouldn't really want to eat a lot of that money, maybe a little bit. Um, but they said, nevertheless, a day three pick is all they would see here um, if he, if and when he is moved. Yeah, it's, it's never a great sign that a trade 
gets to the point of being reported before it happens. Typically, yeah. if there's a major market for a player, if the team is happy with what is being offered for it, the trade just happens without this report coming out beforehand. Um, but yeah, I think that obviously William Jackson is a good player, but it might be one of those trades where you know the the end result and what the commanders actually wind up getting uh, you know getting in return for William Jackson could wind up surprising some people uh, but I think that will do it for today's show thank you everyone for tuning in if you want to listen to us instead in the future subscribe to the PFF wire podcast on Apple or Spotify uh, make sure to leave a review if you do that as well download the PFF app make sure to subscribe to PFF plus that is only 79.99 a year and i believe you can still get a weekly free trial follow brad on twitter at pff underscore brad throw me a follow at doug kide and we will be back with you guys again on monday and we're, we're we're changing up the show a little bit we've got some fun segments coming up for everyone uh so make sure to watch for those as well 